Luke chapter 19, we're going to begin with verse 1. Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, which was the chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press, because it was a, he was little of statue. And he ran before and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. So there are always someone, there's some people who are looking for Jesus. They're longing for him to see him, to know him. But we must recognize them if Jesus is already working in their heart. The Holy Spirit is always working in someone's heart. But if he's working in their heart to draw them to himself then we must be sensitive enough to recognize that person's desire, hunger, thirst. And so Jesus passes by in verse 5, And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him, and said unto him, Zacchaeus, make haste, and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. So Jesus was attentive. Jesus recognized this man was in the tree. And he's not a fruit or a nut or a flake. He's a person who's hungry, thirsty for something of reality. And Jesus was that reality in a human body. He was God manifest in the flesh, the Son of God come to the earth to reveal God the Father to us. And so Zacchaeus up in a tree, Jesus looks up and says, come down. In other words, come. Come to me. And he said, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. And when he saw it, and when they saw it, they murmured saying, that he was gone to be a guest with a man that is a sinner. And so Jesus would get in the presence of a person not to be influenced by them or their sin, but to influence them. And as long as you can influence someone who doesn't know Jesus and you can influence them for Jesus and influence them for God and, and draw their attention to Jesus, then uh, it's certainly fine for you to eat with them and to communicate with them and to have some time with them. And how are you going to reach them if you don't communicate with them and value them? And uh, much of value is shown by our time and our efforts to reach out to people. And so Jesus said, I, I, I want to come and be uh, abide at your house. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from a man, from any man, by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. So you see repentance in the heart of Zacchaeus. He's saying, if, if I've taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I want to restore him fourfold. I want to make it right. So he's repentive in his heart. 
In verse 9, And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is the son of Abraham. This day is salvation come to this house. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. And the reason Jesus was able to recognize Zacchaeus, his hunger, his desire, rather than just being caught up in himself. In other words, Jesus is the great minister, the great prophet, the great teacher. People are following him. And so many people around him, that's why Zacchaeus had to go up in a tree. Because he couldn't see him. He's short of stature. He couldn't see. So he had to climb up in a tree just to be able to see Jesus. But Jesus was not caught up in himself and in his own life, in his own existence, in his own success. But no, Jesus was come to seek and to save that which was lost. And so as Christians, we can't just be caught up in our own success and our own ways and our own desires and own plans and our own thoughts, own dreams, own, own uh, aspirations of life and not see that there's somebody in our path and there's somebody that's really seeking God. They don't know Him. They don't have a relationship with Him because no one's really instructed them. How that they can have a real, genuine relationship with God as their Father, Jesus as their Lord. So they don't know Him personally. And yet their heart longs for Him. Their heart desires Him and seeks Him because the Holy Spirit has worked in them and somehow some seed of truth has been dropped in their heart along the way and they're seeking God. They're seeking to know Him. There was a, a man named Cornelius that was seeking God. He was praying, but he didn't know God. In Acts chapter 10, God sent Peter. God sent someone. There's always someone seeking God or searching for God somewhere in your path of life. And the Holy Spirit is sending you. But if you can't recognize them, if you don't uh, have some sensitivity uh, to their desire and their hunger and where they're at in life, then many times you just walk right past them and don't look up. Or you don't look to the side. Or you don't look to the left or right. You don't look to recognize somebody around you is not only in need of Jesus, but wants to know him. Actually, my wife's testimony, you know, when she was 14, she actually, her parents were going up to the lake for the weekend, which was where they went for the weekend many times. And so, but she wanted to stay home for a homecoming at school. She's 14. She wanted to stay home. So she was asking her friend if she could stay with her. And she said, well, uh, I'm going to a Bible camp retreat. Uh, if you want to stay with me, you can, go, you can go to a Bible camp retreat. Well, that was not Vicky's desire to go to a Bible camp retreat. The reason she didn't want to go up to the lake is because she wanted to stay home for a homecoming. She's a high school or, you know, or middle school, whatever you call it that day. She's a student, and she wants to stay home for homecoming. Well, she asked her friend, and her friend said, well, I'm going to a Bible camp retreat. And so she didn't just say, oh, yes, okay, but she did come back and say, I'd like to stay with you and like to go with you. 
And the reason she wanted to go with her is because she knew there was something that was special about the Bible camp retreat because she chose that over homecoming. So she chose to go with her. Well, Vicki got saved. Pastor Vicki got saved in that Bible camp retreat. She heard the gospel of Jesus Christ, and she got born again because someone had made a right choice. Now, later on, be honest, she found out that uh, this girl, her friend, really was interested at, at, in a guy that was at Bible camp retreat. <laughs> but anyway, she was at the Bible camp retreat, and at least she was bold enough to say, I'm going to a Bible camp retreat. And so Vicki got saved as a result. Well, then, of course, you know, not really being uh, in a church where she was hearing a lot of the gospel and there was not a lot, of, not, not a lot going on. And so she really wasn't uh, following the Lord that strong because she hadn't had any instruction. But, you know, she, there was a, a group of teenagers in the, in the high school that were uh, getting saved and they were having a Bible study. And so she and her brothers were going to school actually one morning and they had happened to go to the Bible study. And they were kind of uh, singing the song that one of the, uh, one of the songs that they sang at the Bible study, her brothers who were not saved, but they were kind of uh, making fun of them. And they were saying, with one hand, reach out to Jesus and with the other, bring a friend. So they, some of you may remember that song it's years ago. And it was an old song, and it was a Christian song. One hand, reach out to Jesus with the other, bring a friend. They had been singing that song that, the night that they went. They went, and when they went, they were drunk. So when they are in the car, they're singing that song, kind of making fun. Well, when they were doing that, Vicki said, what Bible camp retreat? She, I mean, what uh, Bible study? She wanted to know about it. So she found out that one of her friends that was on the drill team with her had been going. She said, well, who's there? Who do I know that was there? And so she found out that she was there. And so one day in the bathroom, they were both in the bathroom. That's where girls go. And, and uh, <laughs> right, they go to the bathroom and look in the mirror. And so, uh, so she was in the bathroom and she saw this uh, friend that uh, her brother said were at that Bible study. And, and she said, oh, do you go to that, uh, to the Abundant Life Bible Study. Do you go? And she said, oh, yeah. She just smiled and said, yes. And that was it. She just walked out. <laughs> and Vicki was really looking for an invitation. She, that's what she was fishing for. She was, here, here's somebody hungry for God, fishing for an invitation. She didn't even invite her. She just walked out. Well, then later she spoke to and she actually a friend of her, another friend of hers, and found out uh, that she was going to that Bible study. And so she said, I want to go. And so she went with her, her friend. She came, and that night they, she, uh, they prayed with her to get filled with the Holy Spirit. Actually, she got a book, White Tongues, by Kenneth Hagin. She went home and read that book and got filled with the Holy Spirit. On her 16th birthday, praise the Lord. Well, you know, actually, uh, this, uh, another little side journey here is that Pastor Vicki uh, actually had this thought as she was a teenager that she might not live past 16. Yeah. 
You know, the devil's a liar. He's a liar. She had that thought. But yet, she got, instead of not living past 16, she got saved at 14 and got filled with the Holy Spirit at 16. Called to preach. Hallelujah. Teach the word. Went to Bible school at 18. Thank you, Jesus. Look what the Lord did with somebody. But it was somebody reaching somebody and somebody that was not so quick to recognize somebody was seeking God or wanted to know more about God. And so as a believer, you need to do what Jesus did, recognize there's somebody seeking. There's somebody looking. There's somebody watching. There's somebody looking at your life. There's somebody paying attention to what you say. There's somebody that's watching you because they believe there's something real. And Jesus is real. Jesus is alive. Jesus wants to live not only in you but through you and he wants to attract people to himself. And he does so by your lifestyle. He does so by the light that you shine, the life that you live, and he does so by your words and your invitation to them to know him. And so if Jesus did that, how much more should we? Now think about... The opportunities that you have on a daily basis to share your faith or share something about Jesus. I mean, that was as simple as an invitation, wasn't it? In both of those situations, it was as simple as an invitation. It wasn't like bold preaching of the gospel, just simply invited them to come along. And when you will invite somebody to come along to something that has a spiritual nature like come to church, come to a Bible study, come to lifestyles, come to men with a mission, come to something, invite somebody to come. Jesus didn't just walk by. No, Jesus said, come. Come. Come down. I want to go spend some time with you. Let's go, if you will, to Luke chapter 14. Luke chapter 14, we'll begin with verse 15. Verse 15, it says, And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, he said unto him, Blessed is he that shall eat bread in the kingdom of God. Then said he unto him, a certain man made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. He sent his servant at supper. Now, if you're from North Carolina, you call it supper. You may call it dinner, but from North Carolina, you called it supper. And so... He just made a great supper and bade many and sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. Come. And they, with all with one consent, began to make excuse. And the first said unto him, I have bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. 
Not everybody that you invite is ready to receive or not everybody that you reach out to and give an invitation to come to church or come to your house or come into a, a Bible study is ready to respond with an affirmative, uh, but somebody is. But you got to be a good salesman or saleswoman or salesperson. You got to uh, go to the next person. If somebody doesn't receive, doesn't mean I'm going to quit sharing, quit inviting, or quit encouraging, or quit preaching or teaching the word or communicating the gospel of Jesus Christ. No, you just keep on inviting the simple invitation, come to Jesus or come to a Bible study, come to church. He said, come for all things are now ready. And they said, the first one said, I bought a piece of ground. I got business to take care of. And how many people in our day especially are so busy with life and business and doing the business deal and taking care of the business? And we all know that business must be taken care of. I'm very aware of that. Very conscientious about business. Business is important. You need to take care of business. But at the same time, you have to have some priorities in your life. Because if you don't see God as your priority first, if he's not the first or the top of the list, and uh, your highest priority of ministry is to share Jesus with somebody else. I mean, God's highest priority is uh, to share the gospel or reach people with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you can reach somebody that someone else cannot effectively reach. God always positions you around people that you can reach. There's somebody in your life that God will enable you to effectively reach, identify with, communicate with, and share the gospel of Jesus Christ or give a simple invitation. Come. He said, I bought me some ground. Another one said, I pray thee. He said, and another said, I, I have bought five yoke of oxen, so we got another business deal going on. And I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excused. Just not this time. And another said, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. She must have been a dominant wife because he can't even go. He has married a wife. You know, if you just got married, you need to come to church. <laughs> sure, you need to learn some more things because you've got a lot of surprises. <laughs> you feel like Gomer Powell. I mean, surprise, surprise, surprise. I mean, think about it. <laughs> when you first got married, how many had a few surprises? And they weren't all what you expected. And some of you men scared to raise your hand. Dude, man up in here. Come on. I only see ladies' hands in here. If you, if you timid men, come on. Maybe she'll let you go. All right. How many got a few surprises? Tell the truth. You got a few surprises, and they were not exactly what you expected. They were not all happy surprises. 
But thank God for his grace that helped you to develop your relationship and, and grow in Christ and grow in the word of God and help you to get better at your relationship with your wife or your husband. He said, I married a wife. She won't let me come. <laughs> so please have me excuse. And the servant came and showed his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to, the, to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and the lanes of the city and bring in hither the poor and the maimed and the halt and the blind. He said, go out quickly, bring the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. In other words, don't just go out there and get the people that look like they just fit real good at your church. Oh, they'd just be a good church member. No, no, no. Get whoever will come, whosoever will. And verse 22 and the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. And the Lord said unto the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in that my house may be filled. Go out into the highways and the hedges. In other words, go out there and beat the bushes. Go out there and shake up some things. Go out there and compel them to come in. Don't just let people go to hell. He said, my house, compel them to come in that my house may be filled. So compelled is a strong word. It's uh, one translation actually says force them. Some people need a little bit, a little extra. Some you're attracted by just loving them and some saved with fear, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh, the scripture says. In other words, sometimes you got to get a little more forceful. Now, the most, for the most part, you're simply inviting, you're encouraging, right? But listen, Amplified Bible says it this way, Then the master said to the servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and urge and constrain them to yield and to come in. You know, every person has to yield their heart to Jesus. You can't force anybody to get saved, but you can sure urge them and constrains them and, and really urge them strongly to yield their lives to Jesus. There have been times that I was a little more urging because it was a little more urgent. In my preaching sometimes, I've been a little more urging because it was a little more urgent. In other words, there may be things in their life that will not be as they expect and everything is not going to be all right next week and next two weeks and next year. You don't know what the future holds for somebody that doesn't know Jesus. But God, in his mercy, is always reaching out to people. And so you want to reach out to constrain them, to urge them, to yield and to come in that my house may be filled. And if someone makes an excuse... There may be another time you could invite them. And if they make another excuse, there may be another time you could invite them. And the Holy Spirit knows the time and the season. Sometimes you may back off a little bit, and then you just invite them again. 
But the Holy Spirit is working in their heart. They got business to take care of, so their head gets too busy. You know, when your heart is talking to you, sometimes people want to get real busy. When their heart is drawing them, the Holy Spirit is working in them. They, they want to squelch that, or they want to uh, just push that down, so they go get busy. And Christians do that sometimes when the Holy Spirit is trying to talk to them. Uh, they run, get busy. And the Holy Spirit says, I'm not going to let you sleep. I'll talk to you when, you when you're in bed. I'll talk to you because finally you'll get a little quiet somewhere. See, the Holy Spirit is stirring in your heart. If the Holy Spirit is stirring in you, then you want to listen. And when the Holy Spirit is prompting you to reach out to people, you want to listen. So if they didn't respond the first time, go again. Then respond the second time, go again. Can you reach my friend? For I say unto you, verse 24, that none of those men which were bidden shall taste my supper. Now that's where it gets real urgent. Jesus said, none of those men that were bidden will taste my supper. In other words, there comes a point that it may be too late. As long as people are breathing, the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation. But you know, Jesus could come today. And he could come right now. And if he comes, I'm leaving you if you're not ready. <laughs> if it was before the altar call, I would leave. If a person's not ready, then it becomes too late. Two are grinding at the meal, one's taken, and the other left. That may not be a current illustration. Somebody may be in the office, one sitting at this desk, one sitting at that desk. One's taken, the other's left. One may be the pilot, one may be the co-pilot. The pilot's taken, the co-pilot's left. If it's a single-engine plane and it's one pilot, we know. If you don't go, you're going... Come on. If you're riding in that plane and the pilot's taken, you know. Unless you're very skilled and a fast thinker and fast on your feet. You're not going to make it. But, you know, that's reality. Jesus is coming, and he's coming for people that are ready, that are saved, that are born again, that are ready and waiting and watching and looking and expecting and longing. Hallelujah. Those who are ready to go, Jesus is going to take us away from here. I'm excited about it myself. I'm not, I'm not afraid of that day. I'm happy that that day is coming, and I'm, I'm, I'm expecting that day to come. And when it does, I am ready. I'm going to do everything I can to serve the Lord and the kingdom and the purpose of God and reach people until Jesus returns. But when he comes and the trumpet sounds, I am going to go. You can have everything I got. Y'all can fight over it. I don't care. You can have it. Now you know there's going to be some sinners fighting over some stuff. Oh, you know. You know there's going to be some people fighting over some stuff. I want some of that stuff because they don't live there anymore. Because they were caught up with the stuff before. They're going to be caught up with the stuff then. They're not going to be caught up with Jesus when he comes.
But we have a job to do, and it's urgent. Hallelujah. Urge them to come to Jesus, come into the kingdom of God. Now, we've read the story about the woman uh, by the well that Jesus spoke to, and I've taught some from that passage but part of that passage at the end of it, after she's heard from Jesus, Jesus has talked to her about who he was and revealed himself. What did it say in verse 28 of chapter 4 of John? It says, The woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come! In other words, immediately she responded to the call of God to go to invite people to come. And so you and I must respond. Don't wait till you know everything about Jesus. She said, come see a man which told me thing, all things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. They came to Jesus. They came to Jesus. They came to Jesus. They knew this woman. And they knew that something had changed. They knew. They didn't know from 10 years of testimony. They knew that there was an immediate description change or something that changed in her heart and her mind. And she said to, said to them, come see one that told me everything I did. He revealed myself. He opened my eyes to who I was. And he opened my eyes to who he was. And every sinner needs their eyes open to who they are as a sinner. And who he is as a Savior. And when your eyes are open to who you are as a sinner, and then you see who he is as a Savior, you recognize your need for a Savior. Even though you weren't looking for him. You were just getting some water. You weren't looking for him. So some people are looking for him. Some people are not looking for him. Some people are saying, no, have me excused. I got business to attend to. I got a wife. I got to take care of my wife. And certainly God wants us to take care of our wife. But the best way you can take care of her is to know him. Because if you know him, then you can care for her. And she can care for you if she knows him. So your relationship with God affects all of your life, your business life. It affects your effectiveness in business. It affects your effectiveness in your relationship with your husband, your wife, your spouse. I can tell you it affects your relationship with your children, your future, and all of your life is affected by your relationship with God. And the greater your relationship with God and the more effective your relationship is with him and the more de developed your relationship is with him, the more effective you're going to be in all of life. And we learn. We grow. Praise God. So some people are just looking for him. They're waiting for him. They'll climb a tree just to see him. They'll get in a position just to see him. Vicki was longing for something. She wanted more, deeper relationship with God. And yet this girl just passed on by kind of. But she kept pressing. She was saved, but she didn't know very much. She was still hungry for more of God. And so somebody said, come, you can come with me. But think about the personalities that won't press in like Vicki did. See, it's really a lot of her personality. She's, she's willing to press a little bit more to find out and get some more information. But others, they may just kind of just stay by and just... You know, you really have to urge them, encourage them to do anything. 
but especially to come to a Bible study and do something that's somewhat foreign to their, uh, their life and what they've done in life. And they're not so acquainted with church and with Bible studies and prayer, but yet somebody invites them, what can happen in their life? And their life can influence somebody else's life, just like Vicky's life has influenced other people's lives. Your life can influence somebody else's life. Their life can influence somebody else's life. And this woman who was, uh, you know, uh, been living with, you know, been married five times, now living with somebody else uh, that, that she's not married to, and yet she now immediately influences somebody else's life. Why? Because she is passionate about what she has just seen and heard, and she knows Jesus is the Messiah. He's the Christ. Thank God. Somebody may be just standing by and just, they may be hanging out at the mall. You know, teenagers hang out at the mall. Right? A lot of things hang out at the mall too. Turn with me to Isaiah. There are people at the mall trying to take advantage of teenagers. But you know, teenagers can reach teenagers. Young people can reach young people. Teenagers can reach teenagers in school or at the mall or wherever they go. The Holy Spirit wants to use people. Thank you, Jesus. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. You're going to Isaiah 55. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Don't withdraw. Don't hold in what God has put on the inside of you. There's somebody that's waiting for you. There's somebody that's longing to know. There's somebody that may just be standing by at the mall or just standing by in the hall or maybe just be standing by somewhere in the courtyard, somewhere. They're standing. They're just hanging out. You may be just hanging out on a street corner, just hanging out somewhere. People are just hanging out or just ripe for something. Come on. How many know that most of the time when you were just hanging out doing nothing, somebody found you? How many can identify? You remember you were just hanging out and somebody found you. When I was just hanging out, I found that somebody would find me. Some trouble would find me. Somebody that wanted to get in trouble would find me. Somebody that wanted to offer you something would find you. Whether it was drugs or something, somebody wanted to find you because the devil has some setups, but God has some setups. Hallelujah. And the Holy Spirit is using you in the program, in the plan, in the purpose, and God has some setups for somebody's life if you will just simply obey and not be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If you're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, somebody's waiting and they're just hanging out somewhere and they're waiting for somebody. They may not know it. In fact, they don't know it. But they're hanging out for somebody to come across their path and to tell them about Jesus. And if you'll be a somebody, somebody look at your neighbor and say, you're a somebody. Come on, if you'll be a somebody that'll tell somebody. That'll then tell somebody. That'll then tell somebody. That's the way the gospel goes. 
It's the story of the gospel that goes from one to the next to another to another, and it keeps on spreading. It's the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's good news, and good news spreads. Now, we know that people like to tell some bad news. All you got to do, if you, it don't matter how old you are. You know, teenagers, they got to tell, you know what, you know. Come on now, you know. You know what, so-and-so, you know. You know, they got caught, you know. Hello. They, you know, they did this, you know. And the gossip circles now, you know, they'll publish it on Facebook. Dude, I mean. Come on. I mean, on Facebook, they'll tell the story right there. In fact, they'll air their stuff. You know, and, and they do it when they're 14. They do it when they're 25. They do it when they're 40. They tell their stuff. I wouldn't tell everything, honey. Because you tell everything, everybody in the world knows your stuff. Hello? Come on. So, but the reality is people like to tell bad news and they'll, they'll spread it. If we were as passionate about good news, the good news of Jesus Christ, come on. If we were as passionate about the good news of Jesus Christ, if we would spread that news like we spread bad news, you'd, you know the church would be full of people. Full of people. I mean, the church would be so packed out. You'd be looking for a seat standing outside in line. You say, I don't want that. That's not comfortable. Maybe that's what's wrong. You're a little too comfortable. Maybe we need some little, some pins in the cushions of your seat <laughs> to get you a little uncomfortable. You're a little bit too comfortable. You're just too comfortable with your church. Now, I want to preach so you get a little uncomfortable with where you're at so that if you're, never, if you're no, never uncomfortable with your present, then you'll never go to the next level. You'll never change. But you got to be a little uncomfortable with where you're at to say, God, I want to make a difference in somebody else's life. I am going to reach people for Jesus Christ. I'm sure by now you're in Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55 it says, Ho, everyone that thirsts, in the first verse, everyone that is thirsty, come to the waters, and he that has no money, come and buy, come ye and buy, and eat, yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. I can tell you, uh, if somebody says it's free, <laughs> the food is free. How many know the crowd gets bigger when the food is free? If we told you oh, we, got, we got dinner on the house tonight, we got food is free, I mean, we've got some good food and it is free. I mean, you know how the casinos get filled? Because they believe they're going to get something for nothing. People believe. Now, and, and the casinos work on the comp system. If you'll give them their, your money, then they'll give you some comps. In other words, you get something free. And I don't care how much money people have. If they can get something free, they like that. Oh, you'll fly me to Vegas free? Sure, I'll pick you up. Private jet, pick you up. Get you there free. Comp your room, comp your meals, comp some other stuff. We'll comp you and 
What? You come lay 100000 on the table, we'll comp you all day. It's called free. People like free stuff. Anybody like free stuff? How many, how many have ever put your name in the pot for a free car? I mean, registered your name so that they could call you. They, you didn't know, but you're going to get a call. You're going to get a call, and it's not going to be about the free car. You're going to get something in the mail. It's not going to be about the free car. It's going to be about something that they wanted your name and your connection. They wanted to connect with you. We know that's true, right? Right. So, what's free? Well, the gospel is free. It costs a high price, but the gospel is good news, and it's free. He says, if you don't have any money, come and buy and eat. And yea, buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why? Because Jesus paid the full price. Wherefore do you spend money for that which is not bread? In other words, you're spending your money. How many have spent your money? You think, dear, why did I do that? After the fact. You look back at that moment and thought, oh, what a waste of my money. But it was fun for the moment, right? Why do you spend money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which satisfies not? How many people have given their lives for stuff that did not satisfy? I got to have another drink. I got to have another drug. I got to have another relationship. I got to have something else. I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to, I got to. And they got to, got to, got to. And they get a, get a, get a. And when they get a, they don't want to. Come on. It doesn't satisfy. It doesn't bring the joy and the peace and the satisfaction they thought it was going to bring. Never does. We've all been there. Everybody sitting in this room has been there. Where I'm at right now, what I'm talking about right now, everybody's been there. You've been at the party. You've been with the people. You've been with the stuff. You've had the stuff. You went there, and you still think you've got to have something else. And Jesus said, just come. Come to me. Ho, everyone that is thirsty, anyone thirsty. Some people recognize they're thirsty, know they're thirsty, and they're reaching out to God. Some people don't even know they're thirsty. They're just trying to fill that void with something every day in their life. Every day. Trying to fill the void. Why do you spend your money for things that don't satisfy? Hearken diligently unto me. Eat ye that which is good, and let your soul delight itself in fatness. Don't you love that? He said, if you'll just come and eat what is good, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Every good and every perfect thing comes from God. God is good, and it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. Good God, how great and good is our God. He said, let your soul delight itself. Man, if you get happy with Jesus, you get happy. If you're unhappy with life, you need to get happier with Jesus. Serve the Lord with gladness. And if you'll learn to serve the Lord with gladness, then you have something that is contagious. Amen. People that don't serve the Lord with gladness, serving God is just a chore, then they're not contagious. The only thing they do is make people think, I don't want to do what they do. 
But people that serve the Lord with gladness and have joy in Jesus and find joy in the presence of the Lord, and, and they're serving God and happy to do so and, and walking with Jesus, and they get up every day knowing God has their back and God is on their side and God is before them and God is working in their life. And even though they face challenges in life, they know that God is going to help them through it and going to put them over, and they just worship God and are happy to serve God, and they are contagious wherever they go. Why? Because Jesus is shining as a light in their life. And they've delighted themselves. They found joy in Jesus. They've gotten happy with Jesus. If you're not happy in Jesus, you're not going to be happy. I don't, it doesn't matter what you find. It doesn't matter who you find. It doesn't matter what you get in life. It doesn't matter how much you obtain. If you're not happy in Jesus, you're not going to have real joy. Some of the most wealthy people in the world are drowning their sorrows in their drink or in their drugs or in their sex or in their something. I can tell you, it's amazing what people, they have everything and yet they're drowning their life in sorrow. And yet God wants to satisfy their soul. So Jesus could relate with a rich man. Jesus could relate with a woman who has had five husbands and, and now she's living with somebody else. Jesus can relate with anybody. He can go to the house with you. He can talk to you in the street. And he can cross bridges where other people would make judgment. God knows how to reach people. And the Holy Spirit has somebody in mind for you to reach. And you, by the Holy Spirit, can make a difference. And you can be the catalyst. And you can speak a word in season at the right time. And the Holy Spirit can use you to voice the voice of Jesus to somebody's life. And the Holy Spirit can draw them to him. 